Hello, welcome to Sea Hanks and the Memories. I'm your host, Darren. Today, we're going to be talking about Captain Phillips, uh, which was released on the 11th of October, 2013. Too much acclaim. Uh, it had a very small budget. It made a lot of money. Uh, five times its budget back, so, you know. Um, Tom is obviously getting top billing because, I mean, are there any other professional actors in this film? I mean, I think I counted two. I mean, like... Um, not notable actors, let's say. You know, uh, one of them ended up getting a lot, a lot of nominations. Not Tom, though. He didn't get tons of nominations for this, which I do not understand in the slightest. We will get into that as the film goes on. Um, joining me to talk about this today, I have Martin Sand. Hello, Martin. Hi there. And I have Eric Nash. Hello, Eric. Hey, Darren. And good to meet you, Martin. Both returning guests from previous films. Um, I think, what was the last film you did, Martin? Was it... Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Was it Bonfire of the Vanities? Was it that long ago? Yes, I think it yes. was. Oh, well, this is a lot we better. We did than that. Um, Turner and Hooch and Bonfire. Yeah, a pair of classics, one might say. And uh, Eric, I think when was the last time? Pretty sure Phil Philadelphia. I th no, I think, think I think we had you on Castaway after Philadelphia Castaway. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, you seem to be having this theme of doing films that are in the ocean because you had Splash, <laughs> yeah. and then you had Castaway, and now here we are with Captain Phillips. I think you know that completes the trilogy of mm -hmm. uh, Tom Hanks at sea films. Um, you know, although obviously, with, I mean, saying that, like he marries a mermaid in one, and he gets home, and you know, he's doing okay in the other. Gets some compensation from FedEx, I'm assuming, um, and we'll talk what about what happens to him in this film. Um, so I saw this film at the cinema, though I cannot recall the date, which I will check now while I ask you guys, uh, did you see this at the cinema? Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't. Um, but I, but I definitely, it was definitely within the year, you know, at, the, at this point films are coming out <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty soon after they're in the theater. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I, I saw Captain Phillips cause it came out on the 11th. I saw it on the 14th. Mm -hmm. So... Wow. That was like three days. Yeah, so I was probably, you know, as close as I could get to seeing it uh, when it came out. And then interestingly enough, less than a month later, I saw Saving Mr. Banks. Um, mm -hmm. And the day after that, or two days after that, should I say, I saw the Oscar-winning film Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. Um, so, you know, there's a whole lot of Oscar bait going on there um, in that particular run. Uh, Martin, did you see this film at the cinema? No, I first no. saw it um, on a plane. Oh, okay. On uh, a very long flight to Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. So I, okay. I almost wonder, are, you know you know how they don't show certain scenes or certain movies, whatever, on planes because of their, like, a, some kind of, like, a plane crash or incident? You know, would they, would they not show this movie on a boat or ship if you're, if you're taking it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I've got to be honest with you. If I was on a cruise, I yeah. wouldn't be worried about watching Captain Phillips. I'd be worried yeah. about constantly having diarrhea because that seems to be what all that happens on cruises these days is you just get boats full of people with diarrhea. So that would be my prime concern rather than watching a film about someone being kidnapped on a boat. We should say, of course, this is the first time uh, off two to date where Tom Hanks is collaborating with Paul Greengrass, um, you know, a, a British director, of course. Um, known for his documentary, well, his actual documentaries to start off with, and then his documentary style kind of films, and then films that have a documentary style that aren't an actual documentary. Um, and of course, he he'd made his uh, his his money the previous uh, few years with 
uh, Born Supremacy and Born Ultimatum, both of which I saw at the cinema, and United 93, which I did not see at the cinema, and which I suspect is a film that definitely would not be shown on a plane. Um, and then also uh, Green Zone, uh, which, um, I don't know, it's okay. Like, you know, it's a bit weird towards the end, but it's just about a guy, uh, you know, it's about Matt Damon wandering around in Iraq, you know. Um, and then, of course, you know, he did this. Uh, he hasn't done many films because, like, literally, the next film after this is just Jason Bourne, and then he did. Uh, then he kind of went back to his like documentary style stuff for Twenty uh, Second July, which, by the way, is my birthday. Thank you very much. That crazy person in was it Norway who shot up a bunch of people, and you know made my birthday a date of a you know mass killing. Um, I haven't seen that film. Um, uh, was it and and Anders Breivik? Is that the guy who did yes. that? Yeah, yes. He ruined he ruined that for me. I was like, my birthday is a nice day. You know, it's also uh, the Heartbreak Kid Shaw Michael's birthday, you know. Uh, so I've got that going for me. And now there's a mass slaughter that took place on that birthday. And then his most recent film uh, from 2020 was News of the World with Tom Hanks, which obviously I will have to talk about at a later date. Did not get a cinema release, went to streaming, as a lot of films have done in the last couple of years. Um, also, uh, Billy Ray uh, is writing the screenplay. Now... Uh, what I find amusing about Billy Ray is like sometimes you'll see his name on a poster because it's like oh you know from the writer of and it's like oh Billy Ray and then you're like what did he write um, and I you know he he obviously made uh, you know his name with uh, you know the Hunger Games um, but then like you look back on his thing and you're like I don't know why they're selling this guy as like a good screenwriter because other than like Captain Phillips and the Hunger Games I mean well here's the thing um, in an upcoming episode I will struggle to remember the subject of this film which was breach in 2007 i saw it at the cinema i also saw his his cut like the remake of um, state of play that he wrote at the cinema as well um but breach is about um robert hansen who's like a spy and throughout um um bridge of spies you'll hear me struggle to remember who the hell that guy was because <laughs> i remember him being like arrested for a dead drop but i could not for the life of me remember his name um and i think that's that's an okay film and I but then you go further back I see. Yes. I see. He directed oh, three films, and, and that yeah, he directed Shattered Glass. Yeah, right. Yeah, Shattered yeah, Glass, which obviously you know, it's that, I think that's where he made his name. But yeah. I'd seen Hearts War at the cinema, which is like one of the most boring films I've ever sat through, um, with Bruce Willis and Colin Farrell. Um, before that, he wrote Volcano and Color of Night, and I'm like, it's such a weird career to start with Color of Night, go through Shattered Glass, write Breach, uh, and then get you know the gig to do the Hunger Games. Right, like adapt Captain Phillips, and then he's directed a remake of like the I think it was the Mexican film Secret in Their Eyes. Um, but then in 2019, he he wrote Gemini Man, Terminator Dark Fate, and Richard Jewell. So I, I don't know what's going on with Billy. He, has, he hasn't had anything come out since 2019, so I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody was like, Sorry, but if you're gonna write Gemini Man and Terminator Dark Fate in the same year then you're just going to have to stop writing stuff, Billy Ray. Um, but yeah, so like he, he, I mean, I think, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly tight script uh, in terms of like uh, the adaptation based on the book, Captain's Duty, Somali Pirates, Navy Seals and Dangerous Days at Sea, um, which, you know, kind of sums up the, the three stages of this film, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> you know. Um, we start off with some Somali pirates, we get some Navy SEALs, and then, you know, at the end of it, we've had a couple of dangerous days at sea. Um, 
of course, you know, this is notable for the the, 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 the famous catchphrase, look at me, I am the captain now. Um, and yeah, that has turned into a meme uh, for the person who said it. Uh, which who's what's his name again? I, I'm sure I'm going to end up butchering it if I if I um, Bacard Abdi, I think it is. Um, he lost to Jared Leto, which uh, that year, I mean, you had Michael Fassbender and Jonah Hill and Bradley Cooper. And Jared Leto is the one that wins. Seriously, that's the fifth best performance in that list. Um, you know, he will be playing Abdulwali Muse, who, when you look into him, he's got like six dozen different names, like. Nobody calls him the same name anywhere. Uh, currently serving 33 years in prison. Uh, uh, he's scheduled for parole in like 2038. Um, so, you know, uh, worked out better than the other guys. Uh, but as I said, yeah, nominated for six Oscars, uh, including uh, Best Picture and Not Best Director, which doesn't make any sense. I love Nebraska, but come on, Alexander Payne over what's going on in this film over Paul Greengrass come on uh there's barely any direction in Nebraska if I'm honest with it but yeah so you know uh Tom didn't get a nomination uh but it was nominated for a ton of other awards uh including a win for the BAFTAs for best supporting actor uh a couple of other wins as well with some of the other you know smaller societies the London Film Critics Circle gave best supporting actor as well um you know so the, but it was nominated for just a ton of awards um you know i personally think tom should have been nominated but he wasn't uh, the film also appeared on a number of top 10 lists uh with kenneth turan of the la times putting it at number one as his favorite film of the year so um yeah you know uh, obviously you know in terms of films we we do recently this is probably one of the more critically acclaimed since catch me if you can uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, everybody loved it, um, and like I said, there's, there's not a few, like, Catherine Keener appears at the start, I don't know what they did to her hair, like, it's so, it's so weird that she's just, like, in one scene, effectively, like, just taken him to the airport, and then that's it, she's not in it, like, they don't even, apparently there was, in some other drafts, they were gonna have the family watching at home, and, they decided to take all that stuff out. They just wanted to stay with Captain Phillips for the entire thing. Um, you know, there's a guy called uh, Michael Cherners who's done like a lot of TV stuff, who plays the first officer. Um, and I noticed straight away Chris Mulkey uh, playing one of the, the crew members um, because he's in uh, Twin Peaks. Um, and I, I kept seeing him and I was like, where do I know that guy from? Um, and then I realized, oh, he's in Twin Peaks. He's married to What's-A-Face Who Worms the Diner. And he's having an affair with uh, Big Ed, Hank Jennings. Um, so I was like, yeah, oh, it's Hank Jennings. I, in my notes, I always put him as Hank Jennings because I couldn't, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's just called John. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a couple of other smaller actors in here who, you know, have done other stuff. But as I said, you know, Barkhad Abdi, this is his film debut. Um, you know, apparently he, he was living in, uh, when they, they were casting all over the place, apparently they saw nearly 6,000 people to, to do the Somali Pirates. And... Uh, I think he was living in uh, Minneapolis, uh, along with a couple of the other guys who were cast as like, you know, his uh, his, you know, pirate buddies. Um, and they were kind of cast as a group, like they were seen together as a group and then they they, they were cast. Um, and he's I mean, I think he's, he could have I mean, I don't know. I mean, he he's had an OK career since this, but it felt, you know, 
There were stories at the time of like, you know, he was going to the Oscars, but he was still like driving taxi cabs on the side because, you know, he didn't make that much money from this film and stuff. So, well, and supposedly you know, he, he got done. a job like with a relative or brother or something. That at, at a he used to he used to work in his store. mobile phone yeah. shop before he did this. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, uh, like I said, there's like there's a uh, the guy who's like the commander of the. Um, SEAL team, that guy with the, I mean, he, he, he literally, he was, he was also, I should say the guy who's, um, uh, there's one of the guys, oh, Corey Johnson, who plays like one of the helmsman, uh, he was also in Savior Private Ryan, as was Max Martini, who plays like the main SEAL team guy. Now, uh, now back to Abdi, um, the, the one thing I, I'm, I was very familiar with when it, when it came out, like, and I was like, oh yeah, that's, he's, you know, I'm finally seeing him in something again as Blade Runner. 2049 and it's such a small role though too yeah <laughs> it's like it's, it's a shame like n- not more come on yeah i mean, like i say you know it's a, like if you're going to make a debut i mean you know he spends most of his time on screen up against a double oscar winner <laughs> tom hanks so you know you've got to have something to be able to hold your, your own against you know tom when you're on screen um so you know i think he does he does really well in it um but yeah i i feel like he's you know i mean he's got he's got a film called the pirates of somalia and you know feels like there's a bit of typecasting going on there oh and apparently um, the, the role in blade runner is he's he's back for it in a uh in an anime uh, uh blade runner yes. black lotus show yeah he did uh he did like uh yeah the voice for that yeah so you know he had he, he had like a good couple of years, but uh, yeah, you know, recently there's nothing. He hasn't had any kind of like high profile roles uh, recently. But um, you know, uh, like I said, I think he does a good job uh, up against Tom Hanks, um, and uh, yeah, you know. So let's jump into the film. Uh, of course, we begin in Underhill, Vermont. You know, the most exciting place to be. Um, where Tom Hanks is really trying out an accent at the start of the film, which I feel lessens as the film goes on. Well, and I, I think that to, to, to your, you know, being upset over the over the Oscar snub, I mean, I think that's that's probably the one thing I, I kind of remember hearing the most about back then, the, the people complaining about that. And that's something I, I don't normally yeah. pick up on. I don't normally think about, oh, it's not, not that great sounding or something. But, you know, I, I never I, – I grew up with Dick Van Dyke doing his – his uh, Cockney British, whatever you know, and uh, never, never, yeah. never caring about it, you know, never saying, "Oh, that's awful." But well, I mean, in this, he's obviously, you know, he's meant to be from Boston. I think he actually spoke with obviously the real Captain Phillips. I keep just calling him Captain Phillips. His name is Richard. He spoke with the real Richard Phillips, and you know, a number of times, and you know, obviously, kind of did what he did for some of other films. I mean, he's Tom's not known for being like a method guy, but. You know, if you've got the real person and you can talk to them, then obviously it's a good time to kind of get a, a hint of their accent. Uh, Catherine Keener doesn't bother trying a Boston accent. <laughs> she just talks like she normally talks. So it's actually, it's only really in the car ride where you really notice it. Like later on in the film, there's a couple of moments as well where it feels like he's he's trying a l- like a little bit too much. But, you, you know, it does, it's not terrible. Um, but, yeah, it is the 28th of March, 2009. And uh, he's going to work, basically. They're, you know, he, he takes a look at the route that his, his boat is going to take, and it's going to be going from Oman to Kenya, uh, and it's going to go via, you know, the, the, the Horn of Africa, and it's going to go past Somalia, um, which at this point was like 19 years into a civil war, which I think that <laughs> is still kind of going on in parts of the country. 
um you know it just it like it started in like the uh, you know 1991 and it just kind of hasn't stopped um and obviously that is one of the reasons why uh, you know there was a rise in the in the level of piracy uh, around that particular time although i should say this if like given the amount of journeys that go past th that particular part of somalia and given how many successful like you know captures were done by pirates a tiny 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 percentage like barely like the most that was ever done in like a, a quarter was like 17 and you're talking about out of like something like 300,000 ships going past and they only met so you know not not really something that was kind of super successful and apparently there was like a, a whole bunch of stuff that's been put in place since like i don't know like 20 i think it was 2015 something like that and basically it's down to zero now like somali pirates aren't really a problem but obviously you know before this film came out and around this time you couldn't you you know you couldn't move for people talking and making jokes about somali pirates um you know so I, I think by the time this film came out it was kind of already over but people were still kind of talking about it a little bit um you know we get a bit of flavor as they talk about their kids and you know stuff like that nothing that is in any way important to the film <laughs> just i wouldn't you know. say that quite so much i think i think the conversation about their kid is there just so Tom Hanks can say, uh, you got to be strong to survive out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, after the film came out, there were some anonymous crew members who kind of disputed how heroic Captain Phillips actually was. Um, <clears throat> and the end credits note that he returned to see, like, almost like a year later, basically. Mm. Um, so it's not like it frightened him off being a captain it's funny actually because the mask alabama which i will just call the alabama from now on because i'm not saying mask over and over again they went back out to see like a couple like a i don't know like a year after this and it was hijacked and then a couple of years after that there was another attempted hijack and then in 2014 there was another attempted hijack and it's like and then they changed the name of the ship so it wasn't called alabama anymore they changed it to a different name because they kind of got sick of I don't know, it getting attacked. And the funny thing is, um, like, for this, uh, they used the Maersk Alexander, which is, you know, basically the exact same type of ship. Uh, and they, they basically spent nine weeks just going backwards and forwards, you know, over the same stretch of sea, <laughs> uh, chartering, like, commercial routes, basically, so that they could film this, which is kind of incredible that they... I, I mean, I, I, what I like about Paul Greengrass is he's like, we need to shoot on a boat. And rather than like green screen in it or anything like that, he's like, hire a boat and just have it go backwards and forwards over the same patch of sea so we could just keep shooting. And that's what they did for like nine weeks, which is kind of... And they also recreated the lifeboat, like because the original lifeboat was obviously... Yes. You know, so they, they basically went and looked at it and they made a complete recreation of it. Uh, so they could get it completely accurate. Um, Even the camera drone that they use is apparently a uh, exact. Well, not replica. Yeah. It's 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 this the same. It's, it's the, the same, same model. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So attention to detail. I, I like it. Uh, but we jumped to to Eli Somalia. Eli Somalia. I'm not sure how you say that. It's E Y L. Um, and we see a bunch of people, and they're being corralled, forced into boats, and. You know, there's a lot of people at gunpoint, a lot of shouting. Uh, basically, uh, there are some Somali warlords who are forcing former fishermen uh, to become pirates. Um, and this is where we see, uh, you know, our crew of four are amongst them. 
um and, and obviously you know we kind of meet, we meet them a little bit but there, there's a lot of back and forth between the different parties in this in terms of you know who's going to be going out and all that kind of stuff and i immediately noticed the um, difference in color grading because we start at the family home in vermont and it's all blue and green and um, we go to the um, desert at the Horn of Africa. And I think that stuff looks different enough on its own, but they really hit it hard at this point with the yellow color grading, yellow yeah. washed out, which stands out a little because the film is a little more constrained going forward. Um, yeah, that one scene that just that just hit really hard. I mean, I think we were still, yeah, in in like in that in that kind. Of, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, kind of the whole thing kind of started with like uh, traffic in like two thousand, didn't it? Where it's like you had extreme color grading for different, you know, different different areas, but also different stories. Um, and you know, I think continued through to stuff like Sicario, where like everything is in this <laughs> weird yellow. And it's also been noted that Breaking Bad did the same thing of like every time they were in Mexico. But at the same, like I can understand. It's, I mean, you know, it does kind of end up sort of being a bit racist. But at the same time, if you're you know watching a TV series and you need to distinguish between different locations quickly, it can be helpful. Um, but in this case. I think we could get the fact that a bunch of people are there speaking uh, Somalian. They're not in America. Like, I think we could pick up on that pretty quickly. I, I think the color grading is a bit over the top. But, you know, it's 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 what was being done around this around this kind of time period. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, we see them take up arms and they're going to get in some boats and they're going to, you know, go off into the sea and see who they can kidnap. Um, and, of course, uh, this is where Richard... Although we shall call him Captain Phillips for the rest of the film, uh, inspects his ship. He's taking a look around. He's checking the various, uh, you know, bits of the ship. In particular, the pirate gates, which have been installed to stop pirates from getting up to the the, the top deck, and also, you know, some of the hoses and various other kind of safety measures that, you know, they don't seem to be completely, you know, up to up to scratch. And he he tells his, uh, you know, first mate, you know, can we get all that sorted out before we go anywhere, you know, because he's seen an email saying. There's Somali pirates around and, you know, he's obviously a bit cautious, particularly with the rope that they're taking. Um, and he makes this clear to, you know, everybody, uh, as he, especially because he talks to his first mate, Shane, and he's kind of discussing the route about where they're going to go. And also he talks about how, you know, there is some concern about, you know, going past the Horn of Africa. And, you know, some people have been there have been some pirates seen uh, and not the, the nice pirates. Uh, that being the joke that was being made mostly in the years 2013 and 14 of taking yo-ho-ho type pirates and turning them into Somali pirates. Um, but yeah, so and they get ready to depart. Um, uh, we, we see there's a bit of tension between Phil and the rest of the crew because they're having a nice break and they're bantering, as you do. Um, and he kind of comes up and uh, and breaks it up a little bit to kind of tell them about the, you know, the, the kind of precautions and stuff. Uh, he sees that he's got an email about the Maritime Bulletin telling him about Somali pirates, and he says they're going to start running some drills, uh, which is something that really happened. He was running pirate drills when the pirates approached, which I just... It's so weird because, like, it seems a little bit too on the nose to have him go, let's run some pirate drills, and then the pirates turn up, like, literally, like, 30 seconds later. But that was what was happening, apparently. Feels and, like the kind of thing you wouldn't put in a script unless it actually <laughs> happened. Yeah, and that's it. 
That's one. It's one of the things that kind of fails contrived, where it's like, no, that's literally what we were doing. We were in the middle of a drill, and then he was like, stop, stop doing the drill. Do the. Re- this is real life now. Um, that's, and that that's so, many many years before that was played played into for great laughs on uh, Faulty Towers. In which particular Faulty episode? Towers, John Cleese's show after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eric. Listen to listen to my voice. I know what full details. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there's only twelve episodes. I'm just saying which which episode was was the was the it's, the it's one Sib- Sybil's away, Sybil's away, yeah. and she's like at the hospital or whatever, maybe or somewhere else. And and but the, she, and she keeps calling and saying, "Have you done the drill yet?" <laughs> and there actually is a fire in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I, yes. Yeah. Fire. There's fire. It's been a while. No, it's that's been a while drill. since I've watched. Faulty Towers, because obviously these days John Cleese is a terrible oh, human yeah. being who seems to just be going senile. Um, but yes, so you know they they are getting ready to run some drills. What I like as well is when um, when Captain Phillips breaks up like the cruise break, he's like enjoy the coffee, and that's like his that's like his signal to be like stop drinking the coffee and get back to work. It's just him saying enjoy the coffee. He says it a couple of times, which I was like, oh, that's obviously like. And, you know, the tension that's... Like, I, I don't know even... I don't really know why they put it in. I guess maybe for just a little bit of dramatic effect. But this tension between the crew and Captain Phillips kind of ends up coming to nothing. Like, it's not like they disobey him in any way. They they all work together to try and stop the pirates. So it's just, it's despite, just a weird... Despite the tension, they can they can still uh, maybe. get their job done. Yeah. A lot a lot coming from Hank Jennings as well. He's a union guy. There's, there's a bit of... Dis, you know, they're kind of disagreeing about whether or not they... You know, they're being paid enough for this. And... Which I understand, but he's like, you knew the route when you got on board. Like, you knew where we were going and the risks. So, no. <laughs> Stop whining. Uh, get back to work. Uh, but, yeah, we see how they try to escape from some skiffs. There's, like, two skiffs that are chasing them, which obviously have all the pirates in. They stopped the pirate drills to actually start doing pirate, you know, stopping. And the way they're going to do it is by... Uh, creating a gigantic wake by you know turning five degrees one way and then turning five degrees back the other way just to kind of you know make it so that they can't get close enough um and you know it's funny because like the, the there's a lot of like technical stuff i think this is the, something that paul greengrass does really well which is not really bothering to explain all the technical stuff <laughs> like just having people talk as though they're professionals on the job and everybody knows nobody would need to explain to them what return to muster means no one would need to explain what it means to take off all the safety or you know um like they've got to increase the speed to 122 like no none of these things need to be explained because everybody that's involved are professionals and i like that paul greengrass and billy ray just leave it at that like you know they're gonna they're gonna go port five degrees they're gonna go starboard five degrees (laughs) they're just you know, and you see the effects, you know, of this ship, which in you know is a real ship, and it is being driven five degrees to port and then to starboard. Um, and I, I like that we just see that the effect of the waves at the back is making it difficult for the boats to get close uh, to the point where one of them's like, "We've had enough of this," and they just go away. <laughs> they just they just peel off, and they're like, "Nah, we're going back to we're going back to shore. We it's this is not worth it." Um, and obviously the other boat stays on them you know this is going to be the boat with you know ultimately we will meet you know this is the crew that we're going to get to know is is these guys um but i i I like you know they they we see these little pings on the radar we see them approaching we see the direction they're going and then we see what they're going to do which is to you know I, i also like that when they call uh they call the like maritime emergency line 
nobody picks up. <laughs> it's just like, and I'm like, that's quite funny that like they like the emergency line, nobody's manning it. Like maybe they just popped popped to the toilet or something. But I just find it funny that it was like there's no one there. And rather than like getting angry or something, he's like, well then let's call the USMTO and you know we'll speak to them and see what they advise. And they're basically like, just turn on your fire hoses. Like this is the this is what you've been told to do, so just do that. And I do like kind of in Tom's performance, there's a little bit where he's like, okay. Like he was expecting something more, you know, like decisive or helpful. Instead, it's just like, turn on the fire hoses. That's what we tell you to do. Like, and he's like, okay, I guess we'll do that. Um, you know, so. Take two ibuprofen, call us if it's not better <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do. I, I, what I like as well is it is kind of matter of fact. Like, this is happening, at this point, this is happening fairly regularly, you know, on this stretch of sea. So I'm almost certain they're getting a couple of dozen calls like this every single day. So they're like, yeah, it's just like, it's a fishing vessel. It's following you. Just turn on your fire hoses. You're a gigantic ship. They're not going to get on board. You know, that's, well, obviously they will. But, you know, that's that's the advice is like, just like, don't. I mean, it's funny because like at the time, obviously, uh, people had a lot of opinions about this and they were feeling particularly the americans um and i think a little bit this is also kind of coming through with the crew um is like let's get some guns and let's start shooting pirates and the advice was always um and i think the advice actually stemmed from the british navy was like don't shoot at them because then they'll start shooting back and they might kill someone if you don't have guns and you don't shoot at, which is why there's no guns on board the ship if you don't have guns and you don't start shooting at pirates, they won't shoot you. They just want money. They don't want to kill people. So don't, you know, bring a gun to a ransom fight. You know, just calmly try and get rid of them by spraying them with a bit of water. And if that doesn't work, just let them have your ship and then they'll pay the money and it'll be claimed back on insurance and everybody can go their happy ways. You know, like it's not, you know, it's not something that is that kind of dire. Um... And I, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, we do get like kind of the dramatic line from Captain Phillips where he's like, they're not here to fish. And it's like, <laughs> feels it feels like Captain Phillips probably didn't say that in real life, but Tom Hanks sounds good saying it. So, but yeah, Eric, as a, as a crazed American who loves guns, how do you feel about the advice not to get into a yeah. gunfight with pirates? Yeah, that's, that's totally me. Yeah, but uh, yeah. The, well, I mean, def- <laughs> definitely, you know, the spray in the water uh, makes me think of, oh, yeah, just treat them like cats. <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's it treat them like cats who keep getting up on your counter just give them a quick spray of water and they'll they'll go away one of them does go away like one of the skiffs does is like we, you know we've had enough and even the one that is kind of chasing them that has uh abdi in and has the rest of the crew that obviously we'll get to know as the film goes on th- you know they they kind of give up because it kind of gets away um and they have to kind of go and get um you know uh like an extra engine basically to be able to catch up to the ship um and so obviously they resume their chase the next day it's funny because like you know they're kind of they stop and um you know tom sends they they have the little crew meeting where you know they're like they 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 don't they're not happy with what's going on in terms of like the you know the pirates and this is where tom is like yeah but you knew you knew the route we were taking and even the first mate is like you knew the route like you get, you know, you might, you might feel you're not getting paid enough, but you're getting paid, so, you know, quit your whining. And you know, Hank Jennings does say, yeah, they're going to be, they, you know, they're going to come back, like, and they're all like, yeah, sure, they will. <laughs> you know, they're pirates. They want something, 
and obviously we can only dissuade them you know that's that's all we can hope for and so you know uh, tom sends an email saying to his wife you know about you know how much he likes her and stuff i mean i don't know it's really weird seeing him send emails like because i'm like oh this is like uh you've got mail except you know we've been attacked by somali pirates not quite as romantic quite frankly um but i think it is the first time we've seen tom send an email on screen since you've got mail so uh but yeah i like as well how you know there is a bit of conflict amongst the pirates about what they should do you know whether or not they should return whether or not she keep pursuing this particular ship um and of course eventually they decide yes we're gonna you know because they they you know they're answering to somebody else later on they will talk about you know tom will say we've all got bosses <laughs> which is i think it's funny to kind of turn this into like a workplace drama of like you know people being forced to be pirates and going out and killing people like it's it's but you know it's like there is somebody they have to answer to so they can't really go back empty-handed they've got to at least try um, and so of course they do um and you know once again they call the maritime emergency line and this time somebody answers um and then my favorite thing in the entire film happens which is they pretend to be the coast guard um it's like it's like really weird because it, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know i don't know that he thought this would work but i just love how um you know abdi is on is on the the, the radio and he's saying this is the somali <laughs> coast guard uh stop your ship right away <laughs> we're gonna come and take a look on board and i'm like it's just it feels like the kind of like indian calls like center scammers just calling you up and saying we're from amazon you know give us your money or whatever like it's such a it's such a thin attempt to do anything um and i just find it funny that they almost straight away give up the ruse they're like we're with the with the coast guard this is your final warning coast guards don't really give final warnings so it's i don't know i liked i liked it because it, it kind of it builds a little bit of character for these pirates you like they're willing to kind of try something uh, and of course it establishes that you know uh, the character of um, of muse is like is is effectively the captain of course in a few minutes he will say his iconic line but like he's the captain of this small crew of pirates um, and they do kind of listen to him a little bit um so you know i just thought it was a nice it's a funny little thing that they tried of like let's be the coast guard and tell him to stop see if that works and it just doesn't um so I just, I just, I just, and then, and then they start firing shots, and I'm like, well, that's not what the coast guard would do. This is, this is not convincing at all anymore. Um, you know, you've completely ruined it. Uh, and of course, this is where they decide to release the fire hoses. I mean, I think it's nice because it sort of mirrors how um, Phillips previously um, tried to repel them or did repel one of the boats by uh, yeah. going on the radio and pretending to be on the radio with an American warship that was going to be here like any minute guys yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I yeah that is a funny little bit where he's like he's kind of muffling his own voice when he's talking on the thing <laughs> to make it sound like he's I don't know why and the Navy would be more muffled, but just to disguise his voice uh, a little bit. Yeah, this is the USS Dreadnought. <laughs> we'll be coming over with our nukes in a minute. Yeah, it, yeah. So, I, well, yeah, they both try it on and neither of them really fall for it. Well, I mean, like we say, one skiff disappears because they're like, we can't get involved with the Navy. We're not going to take them on. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's also funny because the whole problem exists in the first place because there is no Somali Coast Guard. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I yeah. So it's funny that they even try that. You were saying, Eric? Oh no, I don't know. That I was saying anything. I was, I was just agreeing. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. That oh, okay. 
no, no <laughs> actual Somali ghost card, yet they try to imitate a fictitious Somali ghost card. And like I said, they turn on the hoses. Um, but they've got a problem, and that is one of the hoses is not in its proper position, so it is allowing a space for the pirates to get through. And uh, as I said, Paul Greengrass should have been nominated for Best Director, or somebody from there should have been nominated for Best Editor, because this is a very tense sequence, as we, one of the guys goes down to secure um, you know, the hose, and uh you know he uh, he gets shot at um and he doesn't i don't think he really quite gets it back into the correct position so instead of shooting water where it needs to go it's basically just shooting straight down uh, and that's leaving a gap for them to get their ladder hooked onto the boat they try doing some you know very very tight turns you know 30 degrees starboard 30 degrees port really kind of getting the the water you know all all mussed up so they can't get through it um but unfortunately um, you know the pirates they keep going and uh, you know it's weird because in this film you're like you know you don't want to root for the pirates to succeed but at the same time who is the villain when you have impoverished poor people just trying to scrape by and a gigantic corporation that has the might of the Russian, mili- uh, Russian American military behind it like out of those two if you were just talking to someone objectively who do you think is a good guy the one who's got a couple of warships or the guys who were super poor and basically living in, you know, the poorest nation in Africa at the time. Yeah, who's the pirate? Like, yeah. Is like, it maybe the um, big carpocracy carpor- um, that's plundering all of Africa yeah. and has been for 200 years for <laughs> these four teenagers? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, you know, so I think, I think you know, sensibly, Paul Greengrass... It gives you a little bit of sympathy. I've got to be honest, I wanted the pirates to get on board. I wanted them to succeed. When they got the ladder hooked, I was cheering. I was like, yes, well done. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'd be happy if they shot less people or kept, you know, stop shooting the bullets, you know, just try and get on normally. Um, but, you know, even with the ship going from side to side and kind of pushing the boat away, they, they managed to get on. We're only 39 minutes in and the pirates have managed to get on board. So that's what I call efficient storytelling, Paul Greengrass. Um, you know, and of course we've got the pirate cages with locks on, but what's the point? They can just shoot them with their guns. But personally, I, I, you know, it's really weird because obviously they show you dramatically, you know, Captain Phillips going through and looking at the the gates and seeing they're open, and then we see them here and they just get shot open really quickly. It's like they were completely ineffective. They did absolutely nothing, quite frankly. Um, they were less than useless. Uh, the crew, of course, go down into the uh, engine room to hide. Um. And apart from a couple of members of staff uh, who stay, you know, on on the bridge, including Corey Johnson, who, as I said, was also in Saving Private Ryan with uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, And this is where we are 44 minutes in. And he says, look at me, look at me. And I've I've got to be honest, I've never enjoyed that second look at me because Tom Hanks is basically staring directly into this guy's eyes when he says it. (laughs) So it's like, buddy, he's already looking at you. This is redundant. He says, I'm the captain now. Um, And... It is a great delivery, and obviously it's an iconic line for a reason. Um, you know, it's. But I, what I like as well is the film then becomes about these two captains, and you know their crews. Which one is three pirates? We're going to shoot you if you say anything they don't like, and two a bunch of guys hiding in an engine room, um, who are having to. You know, Captain Phillips is having to give them kind of like um, coded messages, um, you know, saying that you know the, the, the we've pushed the ship too far. Um, you know, the engines have broken. I don't think the engines actually have kind of broken, you know, but that's just obviously the crew have d- 
just turn the engines off. And then, of course, where he says, you know, I don't know how long the backup power will last. Obviously, that's a key. That's a signal for his guys to go and turn all the power off on the ship. Um, and I, what I find interesting is, you know, obviously Tom Hanks, America's dad. He's a like as this character. He's a very convincing liar. Like he keeps trying to convince the pirates he's on their side, but he keeps lying to them like straight to their faces. And it's I don't know. It's a, it's like a wonderfully nuanced performance of like this guy who is trying to be honest, trying to keep everyone alive, but at the same time knows he can't be honest and he can't tell them where his crew have gone. So he keeps saying, "I don't know where they've gone." Like it's and it's kind of funny for like for a captain to be like. Where, I don't know where the crew are. Like, it's not like I'm in charge of them or anything. Like, it's just kind of, um, it's kind of entertaining. I, I, I kind of enjoy. We, like, you would think the film is going to be a lot more of like we're on the ship and the ship's been taken, but this segment's barely going to last 15 minutes before we're out of this ship. You know, like, so it's, it's kind of interesting because if you think of this film, that's kind of what I think of is like the whole. Everyone thinks of I'm the captain now, but also you think of the kind of cat and mouse that's on the ship of of the crew hiding and. And all this kind of stuff. In the film, this is compressed down, but apparently this took a couple of days. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're doing it in like 10 minutes. But really, when the, when they captured the one crew member, um, they kept him for like 12 hours, like bound and gagged before they actually made the exchange, which obviously then, you know, becomes the second half of the film. Um, but yeah, so yes. I like as well how, you know, again, like it's a great performance from Abdi because he's like, because, you know, Captain Phillips is like, we're going to start at the top of the ship and then work our way down very slowly <laughs> to try and find the clue. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, with his radio on all the time to, so his crew know what he's doing. And the and obviously Abdi is like, no, we're going to go straight to the engine room. <laughs> and and I just, I, I mean, I kind of like how he's like, well, let's stop off at the mess and get some water because obviously the power's off. It's going to be very hot in there. Like, he's, he keeps trying to delay him but not arouse any suspicion. And like I said, it's it's... I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a comic performance, but there's a little bit of humor in there. The way he's kind of trying to drag it out and, you know, just the way that he's trying to direct them. And then also the kind of, uh, you know, the the fact that, uh, you know, Muse is extremely stubborn and will not. He's not falling for what like a lot of what Captain Phillips is trying to tell him. Um, he is a little bit, as we'll find out when a guy ends up with some cut up feet. But. You know, he's mostly not not kind of given into it, um, and I th- I think that's one of the like one of the kind of strengths of this film is the interaction, you know, between Hanks and Abdi, in particular in this part of the film. Yeah, it's surprising how the acts break down, and I think it's even more surprising that it works. Like, yeah, if you look at the movie in terms of runtime, the bulk of it is. Um, really on the um on the escape vessel oh yeah i mean it's it's a a classic kind of you know i mean while while it's not while he's abdi is not you know this big known name or anything at all virtually hardly a name at all you know but uh yet yet uh he kind of holds his own and he he's the one that's uh put forth to he's the one that uh the, the 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 character itself himself not 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 just the actor is you know trying to topple a, uh, a a big ship's captain <laughs> and yeah uh, you know he he knows a, a little bit he knows just enough to not totally fall for for all of Phillips. yeah although obviously even after delaying them by going to the mess uh you know hanks lets the crew know they're coming to the engine room and you know um you know obviously they make it clear that we, one of them isn't wearing shoes mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, is it is it is it the first mate who kind of whispers to them to like break some glass or something says the guy's not wearing shoes break some glass um and of course instantly they're all running to find some glass to break um and as as they go into the engine room in a in a sequence that is kind of painful the guy steps on some broken glass uh you know much like the annie lennox song walking on broken glass that is exactly what he does and I mean, you know, it doesn't. I mean, I would say in terms of in terms of like you know, poor Greengrass. I I don't think this is particularly graphic. You know, there's stuff that's been in other films that's a bit more graphic. I'm thinking mostly of the fights in the Bourne films. You know, where there's people breaking arms and all kinds of stuff. Um, so we just kind of get quick shots of like his bleeding feet, uh, and obviously, even even though the, what I like is <laughs> this guy's feet are bleeding and. Abdi is like, uh, no, let's keep going. <laughs> it's, it's like he he kind of doesn't care that the guy's like he's like yeah the guy's like cut his feet but what can I do about it now? Let's just keep going. We're gonna find the crew. Um, yeah, you kind of wonder. Uh, like, I mean, if it had been his own feet, you know, yeah, then what would he have done? But because he's that kind of ruthless that yeah he doesn't care about. Well, this is it. Yeah, like obviously it's a contrast with between the fact that Captain Phillips has to care about the safety of his crew, whereas mm. you know yeah this guy doesn't he doesn't care he doesn't care about the like they're there to like you know make money and that's it um but yeah we we see a little scheme going on uh where someone throws a pipe to get the attention of the pirates and then they quickly run into the room to cut the to cut the power um and so obviously the power goes out while they're in the engine room so all the lights go off um and uh the the guy who's cut his feet is this where they they grab him the crew do as they're leaving um, yeah. No, no. They 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 grab they grab Abdi, don't they? They grab yeah. They grab Abdi. Yeah. With the knife. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the guy who's got the cut, cut feet. Yeah, he's got he's going back up to the, uh, you know, up to the up to the deck, um, with Captain Phillips. Um, we've got the two other guys who are still on the on the you know in the command deck, and they're obviously extremely on edge. One of them is more on edge than the other. And what I'd say as well is Paul Greengrass manages to give each of these, you know, you've got the one, I mean, it's funny because like the, you know, the one he's kind of seen as a kid, the one who's like uh, cut his feet. Um, But they were all kids. They were all, you know, in fact, when, um, you know, Muse was captured, um, you know, he like it was estimated he could be as young as 16 or as old as 21. There's no real kind of clear idea on what his age was. But it was it was kind of agreed that the other three were mostly teenagers um so you know but i think it's interesting because we've got the one guy who's like basically always got a machine gun and is very angry all the time and starts shooting bullets at the drop of a hat um and then there's the guy who's kind of like the navigator um who's less angry um and then obviously we have abdi and we've got the kid so they do kind of distinguish these characters not enough that i can remember any of their names um but enough that you know we can kind of see uh, that they are kind of you know there is a little bit of comp there's always throughout the whole of this film there is it's not just that these are four pirates and they're all the same person there is you know they they have slightly different personalities one you know they they one's more willing to negotiate one isn't you know like there's one wants to help captain phillips the other ones don't you know we get slightly dis- different characters you know c- considering for most of the film none of them are speaking english uh, you know we managed to kind of get the nuances of of the different interactions between them um you know, uh, and so with uh, Abdi captured, like I said, in real life happened for like twelve hours, but in this film it happens for about thirty seconds after they've captured him. They negotiate 
with the other three pirates, particularly the one whose feet is cut because he's, you know, he's obviously in a lot of pain. He's not happy about the whole situation. Um, and they say, you know, they take it. They say with the, the, in the safe, they've got thirty thousand dollars and they will give them the thirty thousand dollars and they will give them a lifeboat so they can get back to Somalia if they will give up. Uh, you know, they can get, you know, they'll, they'll give them back Abdi and that, that will be, you know, they can take the money, they can take the boat and they can go. Um, and we get a very tense scene where the exchange is taking place. Um, you know, Captain Phillips goes on board the lifeboat to show them how it works. He's trying to show the navigator guy how, how to kind of, you know, get it going. Um, and while that is going on, there's a lot of kind of like, you know, there's a couple of bullets, you know, shots are fired. People are yelling and screaming. Um, and instead of allowing Captain Phillips to come back out after they've got the money in the lifeboat, instead they just launch the lifeboat with Captain Phillips in. <laughs> and we are left with the, the shot of the kind of the lifeboat has escaped and the ship is just sitting there at sea. Obviously, they've cut all the power and everything, so basically the boat is it's kind of stranded. I think obviously they're going to be able to get everything. They're going to be able to get everything going again. But we just get this kind of shot of a boat in the middle of the sea. That is the end of what I'm going to call the second act. And we are then into what the majority of the film will be, which is people on a lifeboat uh, shouting at each other and beating up Tom Hanks. Um, we cut to the USS Bainbridge. Uh, again, the scenes for this were shot on a real um, USS naval uh, vessel. It wasn't the Bainbridge. It was the sister ship, the name of which I can't remember off the top of my head. So it's basically the exact same. Um, and this is where, you know, we get to meet you know the military side of this rescue plan we've had the pirates we're getting on to the navy seals um and in fact the the navy seals who dealt with captain phillips were seal team six so which is just again you wouldn't put that in a film if it wasn't true because it seems ridiculous to just rely on seal team six as the only real seal team that anyone knows <laughs> um although these days um you know they're better known as dev group uh, which is a favourite thing that the US military likes to do of coming up with, um, you know, abbreviations. And it means development group. I don't know why they put the... Oh, I don't know why they took the U and not the GROW for Dev Group. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they're known as Dev Group rather than SEAL Team 6 these days. They kind of retired SEAL, Seal Team 6 after, uh, you know, they killed Osama Bin Laden. They were like, you're not going to top that. But it's interesting. This is like the second film where I've seen SEAL Team 6 gathering themselves ready and getting themselves ready for like a... An operation because obviously they did that in Zero Dark Thirty as well. Um, I mean, which, both films are also aesthetically very similar. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, I think Catherine Bigelow's directing style in in um, you know uh, Zero Dark Thirty is very close to uh, kind of Paul Greengrass's you know kind of you know very kind of documentary kind of uh, style of film. Uh, and also, I'll say this, obviously, there's a lot of stuff in, in Zero Dark Thirty, which is all about, you know, just torturing people and all that nonsense, which I don't agree with. But the final, like, I don't know, 25 minutes of that film, where they go and kill Osama Bin Laden, it's pretty bloody satisfying to watch. I tell you, I mean, I've watched that part of that film probably at least 10 times. I just love, like, the kind of, just the way they open a door and they shoot people in the head. And then when they're on the floor, they shoot them in the head a couple more times because you've got to be sure. And they just kind of do it without even thinking. And, you know, uh, it's just kind of... I mean, it's an interesting choice to not show Osama Bin Laden being killed in that film. They kind of do it off camera. Um, but, you know, I just... Yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoy that sequence. It's really well shot. Um, much like this second half of this film, which is, again, it's like it's extremely tense. Um, you know, and 
like the, like the stuff on the Bainbridge is kind of interesting because we just kind of get little bits of information where we're like, oh right, you know, when this when 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 development group arrives on scene, they're going to be in charge and they're going to be killing people. So, you know, do what you need to up until that point. But as soon as we've got you know seals on the scene, they're just going to be doing some shooting and they're not going to be spending too much time negotiating. Um, you know, so I think I think the kind of all the back and forth between again. They don't spend all their time explaining. Like when they've got when they look when they got the snipers on, you know, looking for the shots, they're just like you know, Alpha is red, you know, Bravo is green. Like they don't bother explaining. You kind of get it. You just understand what they're saying. You know, they're waiting for three shots to be able to be fired at the same time. Like they don't they don't do it as like a mission brief or anything. They just kind of let you 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 kind of pick it up. Um, yeah, but I think it, this also plays into this whole aesthetics of uh, hyper competence that they put on those. Um, I mean, just, just look at how they are shot uh, compared to the pirates, um, yeah. who basically, um, they are um, they are twitchy and uh, always moving about, and all these uh, CLT men are very square-jawed and stoic and uh, <laughs> very, yeah. you know, military precision, like, uh, yeah, Alpha Niner go Zulu on red and uh, copy that and you know. I mean, Max Martin Max Martini literally has the squarest of jaws. Like it is, it is insane how square his jaw is. Um, which is obviously why he was also in Saving Private Ryan because he you know he's a pretty good uh, you know pretty good soldier in that as well. Yeah. Um, however, briefly he was in it, but yeah, um, yeah. So well, yeah, and also we've we've. I mean, it's I, they don't really go into it that much, but there is also the whole fact that throughout this, a couple of the the more twitchy of the Somali pirates are chewing cat, um, uh, and obviously, which is uh, you know a mild hallucinogen, um, and you know, uh, yeah, like kind of like very strong coffee. Apparently, is how it's <laughs> is described in terms of what it does. But yeah they're kind of on edge because they're like you know but also apparently overuse of it results in constipation so maybe there's that going on as well you know there's an undertone of these guys haven't taken a dump in a couple of days and they're probably you know a bit tense from that but also i don't know know, maybe on a lifeboat without toilets (laughs) yeah well yeah maybe it's maybe it's a benefit at this point um but yeah i mean well that's what this film is missing it's missing tom hanks pissing that's what we needed we needed tom hanks standing on the side of the loaf pissing like he normally does like he did in castaway like he did in a league of their own and you know just he likes he likes to pee in films i don't know why we didn't get any in this film it's a disappointment uh, but they're 820 nautical miles away they draw some little lines on a map so we can see how far they are which i like that sequence it's just a little bit of like oh this is where we are you know, roughly it's going to take two days for them to get to Somalia, uh, the current rate that the lifeboat is going. The Alabama has turned its engines back on and its power back on, and they are, f- f- like, slowly following behind the lifeboat. They don't want to, like, overtake it or lose it. Um, and, you know, on board, Captain Phillips, being a nice guy, he offers to clean up the, the you know, the cut feet. Um, you know, he says, you know, hand me the first aid kit and I'll take a look at those feet. Um, and he does that, and then, of course... Uh, is there like a scalpel or something? There's something that sets them off where they're like, what are you doing? And they start yelling and pointing guns at him. And then the guy's basically got one foot that's like half bandaged. And that's the entire of the... Like, that's all he's allowed to do. Um, so, yeah, you know, the Somali pirates are not in any way cooperating even with each other. 
um, you know, we find out that the mothership that they're trying to get back to was another stolen ship, which has probably fled the area because there are now two, you know, naval vessels in the area. Um, and, you know, they're going to push for negotiations. Uh, but obviously also, Steel, Steel Team 6 have had, you know, they've decided that they're going to kill people if they get on site. Um, you know, the Bainbridge catches up with the, you know, the uh, the lifeboat. And the demand is 10 million uh, for the life of Captain Phillips. Um, and, you know, we see some military get on board the Alabama and take control of that. And they're obviously going to, you know, take that to the nearest port and sort everybody out, make sure everyone's happy. Um, uh, now, I think it's interesting because, I mean, this is true, but, you know, they obviously throw out a line where Captain Phillips is talking about how, you know, the cargo they were carrying included aid, f you know, for people in Africa, you know, for starving people in Africa, including Somalians. Um, which, like I say, it was true, but at the same time, you know, it's like uh, it feels a little bit like he's. You know, I mean, I guess he's trying to stay alive, but it's kind of it's like you know, hey, we were delivering food to you guys, you know, like why did you why did you attack our ship and all this? Kind of, like, it, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit kind of pandery, and I'm like, we we get it, Captain. Phillips, yeah, it's you know? it's also like those guys aren't all of Africa. Like, would you ask a bank robber? Uh, Hey, would you tell a bank robber? Hey, this is this is the money of the people in your town. Bank robber would be like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me that money. Yeah, he's trying to appeal to them, like kind of on a human level, which I think we've really figured out by this point. It's not a level you're going to manage to appeal to them on. <laughs> like, you know, they're not really like. You know, like I say, Abdi is given a, a kind of more subtle performance. Like, you know, the other, I think the other, like the two guys, like the one guy who's super angry all the time is just yelling and has got bulging eyes and stuff. Like, there's not much subtlety going on there. But I think the conversations that Abdi has between Hanks here when they're on the ship and, you know, he's saying, you, you know, you, you didn't have, like, you didn't have to be pirates. You know, there are other options. And he's like, yeah, in America, there are other options. Not, not here so much. Like, <laughs> like the choice is, you know, like like be you know be a you know like be a pirate or starve like there's not you know we they used to be fishermen and but there's no fish anymore like you know there's very few options and so i, I think like you know the fact well, that again, there are no fish anymore precisely because um and they sort of hint at that but they don't really explain it in the film uh they don't really make it clear but the whole somali piracy thing started because um when the civil war broke out and they didn't have a navy anymore they didn't have a coast guard anymore nobody was there to protect the fishing waters um yeah. off the somali coast and um you know fish i don't know do you call them poachers on the ocean um basically fishing vessels from other countries came and um you know took all their fish and those um those pirate groups basically started out out as self-defense militias just trying yeah. to get those um vessels out of their fishing waters and of course they discovered that well <laughs> if we're going catch captured ships we can we can also ransom them you know what they say teach a man to fish and he can eat for a lifetime rob a bunch of ships and you got a ton more money than that so uh you haven't got any food but you got lots of cash um but yeah i'm mean, yeah like it, yeah it literally was you know they were safeguarding the fishermen and then the fishermen were like why don't i just have a gun and then eventually everybody becomes a pirate um 
but yeah so i mean i you know i like the kind of conversations that go on between you know uh, abdi and hanks while they're in the the lifeboat because obviously you know captain phillips doesn't want to die and so he's trying to kind of constantly i mean he's doing the thing that you know they tell you to do with you know if you're in a hostage situation which is make your captors know you like you know your human side so that they don't want to kill you um and so i i think it's interesting that like in these conversations he's like you know you didn't need to become a pirate and he's like yeah i don't think you understand buddy there's no other profession out here. <laughs> like it's pirate or nothing like it's pirate or get killed so you know yo ho ho a pirate's life of me as they say you know like there's nothing there's nothing else um but yeah uh we get the navy seals on their dinghies um they approach with a translator um and there's also a negotiator who's on the boat um who's gonna you know kind of talk them through what they want uh they need to see that captain phillips is alive so they bring him out and they see that he's alive uh the pirates say you know they want 10 million for some reason, one of them fires a gunshot right next to his ear, which is obviously not a pleasant experience. And the navy, the navy like ships are like, oh, let's book it out of here because they obviously don't want to get into a firefight. Um, and I think it's interesting because at this point, Captain Phillips is like, I don't know if you've realised, but you're not getting to Somalia, <laughs> like that ain't happening. And you know, like they would rather sink this lifeboat with everybody in it and everybody dies than have have me end up in somalia uh as like a you know uh, something to be negotiated with um, and i think you know that like uh obviously there's other stuff that happens later on which is probably why i really enjoy this kind of tom hanks performance but i think on this boat like we say he's trying to negotiate with them and to stay alive but also occasionally he's given them the harsh truths like you know they, they're not going to let you get to somalia like we've got 36 hours in the water before we get there and the 35th hour is you know that's when this boat is going to be sunk you're not it's never gonna you're never gonna basically get back to somalia ever again um one way or another um and then he jumps off the boat and <laughs> tries to escape um and i i don't know i find i find this i don't know i find it a little bit funny that he's just like oh fuck it i'm getting off this boat right away i'm just gonna jump off and get into the sea and just try to swim as fast as i possibly can and hope for the best um and you know to try and figure out what's going on obviously you know the the, the navy shoot a bunch of flares um to light it all up also because paul greengrass enjoys a dramatic scene so obviously everything's lit in red um and uh, to be honest with you i was having trouble making out what was going on until the flares went up so that was helpful um and then obviously they get they get him back in and they start like beating him up for trying to escape uh, and of course this is where tom hanks takes the opportunity to go topless um as he did in turner and hooch a lot um and castaway you know so um you know it's been a lot of topless films oh yeah i mean what you guys have said of it you know that uh you know just just uh trying to to you know you know appear you know be be human show shows human side humanity and and so forth and uh it's just but but additionally the other the other things he's saying are you know he's trying to like you said the hard truths and and you know, kind kind of a couple different routes there of, of uh, trying to get uh, some uh, decent enough resolution for him, you know, to happen. And also, then just jumping into the water as a last yeah. resort. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like after they've like kind of beaten him up, he's like, "Now what?" Like, you know, <laughs> I tried to escape. You beat me up. What What do we do now? Like, what's the What's the next stage? What's your next part of your plan? And I like how he's kind of riling them up a little bit because he knows 
uh, that will kind of distract them. Like, you know, like between the four of you, like, what are you going to do? What's the next step? Like, you know, um, and obviously uh, what I like as well is when the negotiator kind of comes on again, a, you know, completely straight laced military guy. He, he tells them all their names <laughs> and says, we've spoken to your elders. Uh, a complete lie, obviously. Um, and, you know, we're willing to negotiate, but we need one of you to come aboard, um, you know, to speak to the elders so we can negotiate you getting the money. Um, and I, I mean, I, li I, I like this negotiator. I think he's like, again, like he, he is very military and kind of to the point. And he's just like, yeah, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, you, one of you comes aboard here. We talk about the money and then we'll give you the money. That's that's the end of the discussion. Uh, that's what's going to happen. And again, like the pirates kind of again, like Abdi, he does like he's 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 given this air of not wanting to fall for it. Um, but at the same time, Captain Phillips is like, you're the captain. You're responsible for everybody in this vessel. So, you know, this falls on you. You've got to do this uh, if you want this to be resolved. Um, and, you know, again, this this also breaks up the fact that they're, they're pointing a gun at Captain Phillips' head and threatening to kill him, basically. And the negotiator's like, nope, don't do that. Don't kill him. Otherwise, it's all this is all over and we're not going to bother negotiating. Um, yeah. So, but again, I like the I like the fact that he's putting it on, you know, he's putting it on Muse and saying you're the captain, take responsibility, you know, um, and it, I guess it kind of works in a little bit because, um, you know, he decides that he will go aboard the USS Bainbridge, um, and the guy, you know, because Captain Phillips is obviously you know not got any clothes on, they're like, here is a uniform, by the way, stay in the same seat you've been sitting in, <laughs> and. I like how completely unsubtle this is, but at the same time, it seems to escape the attention of the pirates because they're not really looking out for it. Where he's like, stay in the same seat. Put on these this clothing so you look different to the other guys and stay in the same seat. He looks different anyway because obviously they're African and he's extremely pale. But at the same time, I like how they're giving him the uniform as like a pretext for like, stay where you are in the boat. Just stay, stay out of sight. Stay nice and safe you know we'll get this sorted out they, they're they're one step away from saying we're going to shoot them all in the head for you captain phillips just stay where you are um but again yeah the efficiency of the navy contrasts to a bunch of pirates who are just arguing with each other now because they're running out of cat and one of them gets knocked while he's trying to make a cigarette and he just gets angry um you know there's like just no organization amongst these pirates and, and, uh, and really but at the same time it, and really it's it. uh you know it's in, in the hands of a lesser uh director and screenwriter and so forth you know you'd have that you know bickering back and forth on the on the uh navy side as well you know i mean you you and I was almost ready to say that earlier, like uh, you know, the the on on the Alabama uh, on the bridge, you know, what you were saying, how there's like no um, exposition, there's no you know, you know, stuff for us to try to get us to understand some of the lingo that's used. They just use the lingo like it would would be. There, there was you know, the, the the way a lesser director or screenwriter would 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 do for something like that is that they would bring in some outside younger. Or, or inexperienced presence into that on onto the bridge, and just yeah. in order to to help us understand better. But no, oh my it's god! Not needed. Can it's you not imagine needed. Just, the just Michael Bay version yeah, of that? Exactly. Like where we meet the crew. His 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 you know John Smith. He's transferring over, but it's his first day on a boat. Tell him everything you need to know about this boat. Uh, yeah, that would be extremely awkward. Or 
they could do as they did on um, uh, the Life Aquatic, where they have someone who is like a, a cameraman or something that needs to be told this information. Yeah, uh, that would have been funny actually if they just put someone as a, like making a documentary aboard the ship at the same time as a coincidence. <laughs> um, but yeah, these are terrible things that other people would have done. Uh, but you know, Paul Greengrass, being British, he knows that's not the way to go. Um, and so we see the snipers. Uh, welcome to the movie. The snipers uh, doing a lot of calculations, trying to figure out the route of the boat, trying to figure out the wind distance, you know, everything that snipers need to figure out to make sure they can kill someone efficiently. Uh, much like in the film American Sniper, uh, which is, eh, it's okay. I mean, I don't know why it got a bunch of nominations, but, you know, Bradley Cooper's finding it. And that baby, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, unmatched uh, fake baby in American Sniper. It's almost when I saw that in the cinema and I saw this fake baby and I was like, that's so what, much what like a, every empty cup on television. That's obviously not got any coffee. in. What a surprise. I was like, what a what a great late career turn for a <laughs> baby from train spotting. Yeah, I was like, uh, uh, you see it and you're like, this is, is this meant to be serious? Are they meant to be pretending that that's an actual baby? What's going what's going on? Uh there's a, there was a t there's a, I mean, there's a TV show over here that's run for many years called EastEnders. And uh, when they have babies crying, they obviously have like a recording of a baby crying inside a carriage. And I, I used to say to my mom, oh, I wish somebody would go and look after that tape recorder that's got, a, a, a you know, a recording of a baby crying in because it, it's, it's going to end up completely wasting that tape. I tell you if they keep leaving it. But yeah, so, um, you know, we got ourselves some snipers and they are calculating how they can kill uh, these people efficiently and at the same time that you know we're keeping the fiction that uh you know having uh, muse on board um it, you know is going to meet his elders um and i think it's I, what i like as well about the performance here you know from uh barkat abdi when he's on the ship it's the kind of creeping realization that he's been lied to and the elders are not being flown in and he's never going to meet them and you can see in his face the fear of like oh no I'm on a military ship and things are about to go down. Like he's clearly like looking around being like this. I've, you know, fallen for it and this is not going to end well for me. Um, and we, you over the kind of couple of scenes where you see him on the ship, you gradually see this realization on his face. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and I mean, we'll get to the line that he gets told at the end, which I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of comical the way it's, how matter of factly is delivered. Um, but yeah, we're on the boat and everyone's getting sweaty because there's no air coming in because obviously it's a lifeboat that's not meant to have like windows and stuff. And so one of them smashes a window out. The other guys are fighting. You know, the three guys that have been left behind are basically the, the kind of the youngest one is kind of trying to help Captain Phillips a little bit. You know, he gave him water early on. Um, but the other two guys basically just want to shoot Captain Phillips in the head, and they're only being prevented from doing that by, you know, their captain who is now no longer on board. So things are getting tense. Um, you know, we keep see we keep cutting back to the the SEAL team snipers, and they keep giving us, you know, Alpha Green, Bravo Red, like they're, basically they're waiting for three greens so that they can shoot all three of them at the same time. Because obviously, if they were to kill just one or two of them, then the others with the guns will probably shoot Captain Phillips. Um, and there is a bit of, you know, there's an altercation as Captain Phillips, you know, he writes a letter. He's trying to write a letter to his wife, um, you know, uh, hoping that, you know, maybe he makes it through this. But if he doesn't, at least she'll have something um, when the one guy gets very angry that that's happening. Uh, like I said, the younger one, the youngest one, the one with the kind of, you know, cut up feet is trying to say to him, stop doing that. Uh, we get a bit of an altercation as Captain Phillips fights back. 
Um, and then they tie him up and they blindfold him. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of shouting and yelling. Um, and then the guy, because obviously the you know lifeboat was being towed by the USS Bainbridge. Um, and he said the guy who's in control of everything, he's like, you know, they they've got two lined up, basically two guys in their sights. And he says, stop the tow. And as they stop the tow, the one guy, the youngest one, should I say, lurches forward into shot. And then all three of them are killed instantly. He just says execute. And that is it. And I like how there's like tons of music. And then when that moment happens, there's no music at all. And Tom Hanks is hysterical because he doesn't know what's happened. He's blindfolded. He's covered in blood. And he's just like, what was that? And he's kind of screaming. And he's, understandably, he's extremely traumatized. Um, and, I mean, this is the point where, you know, whenever I watch this, I end up starting to cry. Because, just for, you know, the, the position that he's in. You know, after all this kind of, you know, like, they were at sea for like almost like two days. And... You know, the position he's been put in is kind of... For a guy who basically just wants to get a container ship from this place to that place, it's kind of unimaginable the kind of stress that he's been under. And then the fact that, like, they blindfolded him and they were basically about to kill him before all three of them were killed. Uh, like I said, a satisfying end to, the, you know, their, their attempts at piracy. But at the same time, we've just seen the largest military force in the world kill three extremely poor impoverished people who were just trying to get a bit of money so they could feed their families um so who's the real villain not tom hanks let's put it like that everybody else debatable tom hanks the good guy in this one um but yeah it's just an amazing moment like just the kind of i mean again like the, uh, from all accounts this is how it happened like they basically were towing it and they stopped the tow and then they just let the one guy lean forward a little bit and they shot all three of them instantly um and yeah like uh for captain phillips instant ptsd <laughs> like just and i think the next few scenes you know the arrest of muse is kind of i don't know like i said a little bit comical because he's like when are the elders coming and they're like um no they're not coming you're under arrest oh by the way because he's like you know what happened and they're like oh your three friends are dead and then like matter of fact that's it they're dead captain phillips is rescued your friends are dead all your friends are dead they say all your friends are dead and i'm just like that's, I mean, you didn't need to kick him when he was down. Come on. I mean, that's a bit brutal to just be like, oh, by the way, all your friends are dead. They put him on the ground. They start reading his rights to him. Um, and then we see, you know, the trauma. Captain Phillips is taken off the light boat and then brought into the medical exam. And, you know, just the reason why I think Tom should have been nominated is just this final scene, just these final few minutes where he doesn't, he kind of doesn't understand what is happening. And obviously the nurse is like cutting his clothes off and saying you know you know what's going on and he kind of can't answer any of the questions he doesn't really see like like it like i said it's kind of instant ptsd like he has he's so kind of in shock that he just cannot answer basic questions and then of course he kind of you know starts crying and then they kind of just lay him down they're like you're safe now and you can see the kind of on his face like he does like he doesn't understand the situation it's just a wonderful just an amazing performance from tom like i said he should have got nominated but they didn't nominate him. And I don't know why, because this is just an, um, like, you know, in, in terms of the film, like the action up until this point is great. You know, the, the the stuff on the ships, wonderful. People getting sniped, fantastic. It's just like all of that would be meaningless if you didn't have Tom at the center of this. And then at the very end, just see how completely traumatized he is, um, you know, in this moment. Um, and, you know, it is kind of like just seeing like seeing him kind of helpless you know it kind of breaks your heart you're like 
why have you done this to Tom? Like, <laughs> don't do this to him. Like, it is just like, for me, it's just like, the, the, I remember seeing it at the cinema and I remember like, you know, you can't help yourself. I was just crying because I was like, thank God he's safe. And then I realized it's just Tom Hanks is a film. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about, you know, the eventual kind of rescue of Tom Hanks? How do you feel about the sniping? I like the snipe. I, I, you know, I enjoy a good sniping. And I think, you know, the kind of him the stopping the toe and then just instantly killing all three of them straight away. Like I said, you know, the kind of the cut feet is kind of graphic, but they don't they don't linger on those deaths. It's It's done. And then, you know, it's all about, you know, the trauma that has been put onto tom hank well yeah i mean definitely all, all three at the same time i mean that that's another level of of sniping that we don't normally get to see that that you know usually it's yeah. just i mean there's, there's a classic uh what the tom berenger movie sniper you know i mean that's got some good stuff in it but you know this this kind of takes the cake you know because it's because it's got it's got a guy above the three guys that's given the call <laughs> you know yeah he's seeing what's going on he knows when they're all three when they all can do do their thing and how'd you feel about Tom's trauma? Oh yeah, and well, his, and that I mean, I almost I mean, imagine like you know, you know, being with being blindfolded. I mean, you know, just 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 like and just being what he'd been through for the previous twenty four hours or however however long, many hours and multiple days even. Um, that you know, just 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 the effects on your body. You know, you you could almost imagine. You know, you know, you kind of can tell. At least at least one of the other guys have been shot probably. But maybe I've gotten shot too because I feel blood on me, you know. But but you can't really probably tell. Oh, I mean, maybe I don't really feel it, but maybe I do. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I have a hole in me due to a, a bullet. But but it would be really really confusing and therefore shocking. Well, you you really need um, this character's trauma in that moment because um, in that way he's basically. Um, the human element of um, the whole, uh, you know, that that whole military machine. He's he's in there with that nurse, um, and it's um, you know very humanizing. Without all that, it would have just been, um, it would have just been. Uh, like imagine if it just ended on a scene of um, the most powerful military in the world, just you know, killing uh, three starving African kids, um, <clears throat> and and I think well, I think what the what Tom Hanks is implying with his performance of that um, this this isn't my blood moment is um, I think he's he's uh, definitely mourning the um, kid with the cut up feed in that moment because that's that's the character on the um you know pirate side that we see that's just a kid um that's somebody who just wanted to prove himself um to his community and doesn't really want to hurt anyone and is just in over his head and um <laughs> he he still gets um you know sniped for his trouble um after he got his feet cut up and um abused by his pirate colleagues um the whole thing i mean it does tie up neatly in that way um in a way that is satisfying for a movie but it also shows that um you can you can tell 
a story exactly as it happened and um, still end up with a movie where the um, happy end is the happy ending is that um, the scary black men are dead and the white man was saved. Um, not not implying that that was anyone's motivation um, because that's how it played out but um, uh, that's uh, that's that's the movie you've got and it's an excellent movie but that's also the um, sort of aftertaste that it leaves by all accounts of the three that were sniped there were only two that they really identified in the film the third one is just kind of an amalgam of other pirates that were present during this whole incident um so it you know it's it's kind of it's kind of weird that uh you know like uh, you know they they you know they they kind of came up with like a an amalgam and i think the amalgam is the guy who's the oldest one who's you know not the, the guy who's navigating but the guy who's just got the gun and is constantly angry that's like they never identified who he was like they killed him and then they're like we don't know who this guy is um, so they just gave him a name in the film, but the other two were identified. Um, and like you say, like the youngest, the, the young one, I think at, like the actual age of the kid who was on board was 16, you know. And and it's funny because like, obviously to, just before he shot, Tom Hanks is kind of saying, just put your hands up, like just surrender, just put your hands up. Like he knows what's happening. Like he kind of understands that the military are going to kill these people. And he's like, just surrender. Like don't go down with this crew. Um and then obviously they all get shot, um, but yeah, I mean, I would have. I mean, we just get some text at the end that says, you know, what happened. I would have been nice if we saw Catherine Keener again, or if we saw him re like him being reunited with Catherine Keener. But uh, like he he asks the nurse, you know, do the do, do my family know that I'm safe? And she says yes. Um, or maybe I think the military guy who's led him there says yes. But basically, someone tells him, yeah, the fam, you know, the families know that you're you're safe. Yeah, it's again, the nurse. I think, yeah, I think that ties into the wider thing that, you know, the original screenplay did have a lot more intercut in between the ships and the family. But obviously Paul Greengrass was like, I don't care about the families. <laughs> I just care about the guys getting sniped in the head, the guys who are going to do the sniping, and the guy who's going to give, you know, an Oscar-worthy performance but not get nominated. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously by the time this film came out, Captain Phillips was back in the ocean um, you know, he he. I think there was. I think he only ever did commanded one more vessel, and then he retired a few years ago. And he, you know, from like 2010 to like I don't know 2019 something like that. He just he had one vessel and then he retired, um, and that was it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just like a really what I I mean, you know, uh, I I you know I saw this at the the cinema and then I've watched it a couple of times since and then you know rewatching it for this, I always think before I watch it I always think. Is it going to be a little bit boring? Because this is, you know, Tom. You know, Tom Hanks is into his like dad core um, in terms of like films that he's making. You know, Bridge of Spies, um, you know, Saving Mr. Banks, uh, you know, Sully, uh, you know, mentioning obviously uh, American Sniper, director of that. Obviously, will collaborate with Tom. Um, you know, The Post. You know, like films that you know dads would like to watch. Um, and then when I watch this and it gets to the sniping, I'm like, oh no, this is not a boring film. This <laughs> like this film is extremely tense, and it's weird because I can remember in the cinema, I I kind of knew the story, but I didn't really know how it finished. And so for the last like 45 minutes, I remember just being in my seat, 
feeling extremely stressed for like the entire like experiencing everything that was going on street on screen just being like very on edge um and you know i think that's just what paul greengrass can do um you know when given good material obviously he's there are films that are slightly less stressful he's put out but it was just like i remember feeling really tense and then when tom finally got you know released i was like oh thank goodness uh, even though I, I kind of knew that was going to happen um you know because obviously the guy who survived wrote the story so but at the same time it, you know the way that paul greengrass directed it it's kind of it is so tense and then at the very end you do get that relief um, and like you say you know a bunch of poor african kids were just killed to save a, a relatively wealthy rich white guy so yeah I, that isn't the message the film was to send but obviously i feel like in the years since this came out things have maybe shifted a little bit in, in the way that people you know i mean everyone was amused last summer when that big tanker ship was just stuck in the middle of the suez canal for weeks on end like people at this point are just sick of capitalism and like container ships don't really get sympathy but i you know obviously it takes tom hanks to convince you to feel sympathetic towards the captain of you know a gigantic like container ship so um but yeah i'm well i feel like we've said about as much as we can so let's go to judgments obviously it's it's either t hanks or no t hanks i feel like i know where everyone is on this but let's start with eric oh oh yeah um definitely yeah t hanks i mean yeah i did see it that uh like i said the original uh time uh, way back probably sometime 2014 but uh yeah see, watching it watching it just just the second time only only a couple weeks ago um yeah really really uh really great film and and and, and just you know just that great performance by him that really yeah like you said went went fairly unnoticed um at least by the academy the academy and I'll, I'll say this as well like you know not not to diminish the other actors that are in it particularly hank jennings from twin peaks um that's not his name. His, his name's Chris Mulkey. Uh, and that's not even his character's name. His character's name John. Um, but, like, not to diminish that, but this is just a two-person film. Like, all the military guys are kind of anonymous. Like, all of the crewmates are kind of... They're just all white guys. They just all look roughly the same. Like, there isn't any effort made to distinguish any of these. You know, Catherine Keener and the nurse, I think, are the only two women that were in the entire film from start to end. Like, oh, there's a woman who says the president wants this resolved peacefully. But she, you know, that's not a character. That's just a voice that appears very briefly. So, you know, it's it really is just about those two those two performances, um, and you know, one nominated, the other one not. Um, Martin, um, you know, I'll say even though it's not a film that leaves me feeling great, it's still a strong T hangs for me. It's just overall a um, really well made movie. Um, <clears throat> there's really much, not much more to say about it than that. Yeah, and obviously T hangs for me. I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, since since Catch Me If You Can, there's you know there's been a struggle, an internal struggle about whether or not films are worthy, because you know Lady Killers, no, Polar Express, definitely not, Da Vinci Code, nope. <laughs> you know, like. I mean, even films that I enjoy, like like Andy Wilson's War, and I enjoyed The Great Book Howard, still kind of, you know, difficult to really recommend going back to watching them. Um, you know, Toy Story 3, obviously on a completely different level, but then, you know, I've just been on a run of, like, Larry Crown, Extremely Loud and Crenry Close, Cloud Atlas, like, films that where Tom's performance doesn't even... I mean, you know, particularly stuff like Extremely Loud, he's barely in that film, but it's like... 
it doesn't really feel like he's in there. Whereas with this, it feels like Paul Greengrass was like, look, this is not a uh, futuristic talking nonsense language, Cloud Atlas nonsense. This is a proper film about a real thing that happens. So, you know, put your acting pants on and get out there and like, you know, give a performance. And that's what he's done. Like this feels like the most committed he's been since Catch Me If You Can. Um, or maybe Charlie Wilson's Wall. But again, you know, some parts of that feel a little bit like caricature. Again, it's like him just putting on an accent and not really trying that much. Also, he's in a hot tub as well, like at the start. That's a f <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on with Tom, but he just likes, he really likes, you know, getting his top off. But, you know, in this, it, like, it feels like he has like 100% fully committed, you know. And I, th I think, you know, obviously he's also spent a lot of time you know, kind of playing real people in recent years. Um, and I think this is probably one of the stronger choices for him to, you know, be a real person. Um, you know, because it's not like a well-known celebrity or anything like that, you know, like in Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood or the upcoming Elvis film. You know, this is just, you know, an ordinary person who did something extraordinary. And I think Tom really kind of gets that across uh, in his performance. Like we say, should have been nominated for more stuff, quite frankly. Um, should have won some stuff. Do you think um, he was pissing in the hot tub, maybe, just for himself? Didn't have to um, be in the movie? <laughs> I mean, in Charlie Wilson's War, yes. I, probably, yeah. That feels like that feels like something Tom would do just to get into character. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, I mean, you know, it's just, a, it's like, like I said, since Cash Me If You Can, you know, really good Tom Hanks performances have been a little hard to find. And I think this is, you know, or in the case of Polar Express, there's just been too many of them. Um, you know, and they couldn't like just give uh, give somebody else a part, like stick at somebody else in a mocap suit. Um, but in this case, like it's just you know a, just a great performance. Uh, and like I say, when the film came out, there were then some like naysayers who apparently were like anonymously like, uh, no, he wasn't that heroic. But it's like, uh, yeah, that's kind of easy to do, you know, like to kind of bring him down a little bit, you know, whatever, like whatever you say about him, like he went through the trauma of being captured and released you know, by some pirates. So whether or not you think he deserves the kind of the acclaim or whatever, or the, or the, you know, the motion picture that came afterwards, then, you know, it's a completely different issue, but I don't think you can deny the actions that took place. Um, and, you know, this kind of, again, again, like this is kind of the end of like the whole Somali pirate thing. Like by the time this film came out, the whole issue had been mostly resolved. Um, you know, there were, I, I can't even remember. I think it might've been a British couple. There's like a British couple who for some reason decided they would go sailing near, the Horn of Africa and they got captured by pirates and then they were they were like captured and they were held for something ridiculous like 18 months while the British government were like no we're not going to give you any money like every single day so you know like I'm sure someone should make a film about that one day but yeah like this this feels like this is the, also the end of the whole Somali pirate. by the time this came out it's like that's it you know we're done talking about Somali pirates it's not a real problem anymore the issue's mostly been dealt with uh, by surprisingly having ships go a little bit further into international waters and not so close to where the pirates are. Who would have thought that that would have been the solution? I mean, it seems crazy, doesn't it? Um, so uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? I'm going to start with Martin. Uh, as usual, absolutely nothing. And then I'm sure Eric has something to plug. Do you have Wait, anything to plug, Eric? Yeah, as usual. I mean, the, the one ongoing right now is Feels Like Weezer. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, every other week at this time. Uh, 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 episode by episode, song by song, uh, going through Weezer's discography uh, chronologically, um, uh, with uh, with uh, two co-hosts, uh, good old Martin, and then uh, Zach is back. 
Zach uh, had to take a little oh, bit of a breather with uh, having a couple kids and new house and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, he's he's back with us now, and and Martin had to step away. But but uh, so yeah, we've been doing good with that lately, and hope, hope uh, we're going into uh, probably about this time where we should be out of Red Album. Or we yeah, we definitely are out of Red Album, but we're actually in like Red Album deluxe stuff and and Christmas stuff coming up in the summer here. Christmas, Christmas <laughs> makes in the summer. complete sense. Just like we're in the yeah. southern hemisphere, um, uh, and uh, yeah. But uh, then my other two shows uh, were uh, are both um, movies by minutes. Uh, go check out Watchmen Minute uh, for the uh, Zack Snyder 2009 film, 186 episodes, 186 minutes. And then uh, I'm I'm still in the hiatus for Almost Famous Minute, stuck at 94. Uh, Zach will be back with you for later yeah, episodes right. as we talk about. Inferno and The Circle yeah. this summer so it's going to be a summer of Zach uh, so thanks to both of you for being my guests here today Thank thanks you. for having me and uh, I mean in this episode clearly we were saving Captain Phillips but next time we're going to be saving Mr. Beckles